the book of Jonah this evening. The book of Jonah. Jonah, and our focus is going to be in chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4, but we'll go ahead and mention just a few introductory statements here. Though Jonah is a familiar book with very familiar stories in it that are learned and taught from early ages. And in a minute, I want to ask the kids to help refresh us on the book of Jonah here this evening. But just a little uh, background here about Jonah. Jonah is actually referred to, likely referred to in 2 Kings 14.25 as a prophet who prophesied during the reign of Jeroboam II, king in the northern kingdom of Israel. During this time, Assyria was weaker. And it was during this time that the northern kingdom regained territory that had belonged to David and Solomon. So, I mean, we know a a history just with Assyria, with Israel, and even it would go beyond this, the time of Jonah, where Assyria would come down and actually conquer Samaria, uh, the capital of the northern kingdom, and and deport its population, that Assyria uh, was, they were not friends with Israel. And so just a little back, I mean, we, we know portions of the story of, of Jonah, and namely, I mean, just right at the the outset of the book, that he didn't want to go to Nineveh. I mean, here God calls him directly, tells him to go. God's going to do great things here, and, and he said he does not want to go. Well, there's background to that. I mean, Nineveh was a very uh, wicked, wicked city. It, it was the capital of one of the cruelest, vilest, most powerful, and most idolatrous empires in the world. Nahum, he called Nineveh the city of blood, Nahum 3.1. It was a city noted for its cruelty. And so, I mean, this was, there's a little background here for why Jonah would have this, this response and why he, he is so bent on judgment. That's what he wants to see. He wants to see justice now uh, upon these people. Okay, so that's just a little background on on Jonah here. Now the book as a whole, uh, there's a parallel structure to the book of Jonah. Chapter 1 and 3, you have Jonah's call, and you have God's grace shown to two groups of people. That's chapters 1 and 3, Jonah's call, and then God's grace, God's grace to the sailors in chapter 1, and then uh, Jonah's call again after he is rescued by the great fish, God's grace there, or excuse me, um, in in chapter 3. So it's chapter 1, chapter 3, and then in chapter 3 you have Jonah's call, God's grace shown to the Ninevites. And then you have chapters 2 and chapter 4 parallel one another, and in there, it's God's grace. God's grace delivered Jonah from drowning. God's grace delivering Jonah in chapter 4 from the heat. And uh, so God's, God's grace 
is the central uh, point here in, in chapter 4. Now, if I could just ask the, the kids to help, help refresh us a little bit um, about the book of Jonah. Uh, what things come to mind for you, for you young people about Jonah? Who can tell me something that happens in the book of Jonah? What, what happens? What happened to Jonah? Was Jonah an apostle? He was a prophet. Okay, Jonah, Jonah went on a boat ride, didn't he? That he shouldn't have. Okay, I see some. So you do remember the story of Jonah. Was he swallowed by something? What was he swallowed by? A great fish. Okay, good. Now, can you tell me this? Does Jonah have a good attitude throughout most of the book of, of Jonah? What do you remember about his attitude? Smelled fishy? <laughs> it kind of kind of kind of stunk, right? But when we come to the book of Jonah, often that's that's what we think about. I mean, there's um the major story there of Jonah being thrown overboard, being swallowed by the great fish. Then he goes to Nineveh, Nineveh repents. And it seems oftentimes maybe we even stop at that point. Uh, But you have chapter 4, and it's amazing what happens in in chapter 4. After God has rescued um, Jonah in chapter 2, and then he goes to Nineveh as God had initially called him. He goes to Nineveh, they repent. And let's go ahead and read all of chapter 4 here. And then we'll come back and walk through it. Jonah chapter 4, But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, I mean, amazing, right? Chapter 4 starts that way. I mean, there's repentance in Nineveh. God turns his anger uh, from against these people. And it says that it displeased Jonah, and he became angry. Verse 2, He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, Was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Verse 5. Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better for me than life. Now, verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Then the Lord said, you, have com- you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, 
the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals. So as we, we read this, and as we look, even, and you're familiar, many of you are familiar with the book of Jonah, we see it's not merely about Nineveh, but it's about God dealing with his prophet, dealing with a bad attitude, with the sinful attitude of his prophet. And I, I'm just thinking, even before I came up here in songs we were singing and thinking of this book and thinking about the, the mercy and the faithfulness of God. I mean, to think about all that God did with Jonah. And this is just a brief excerpt that we have of Jonah's life here, that God is not going to sit back and let Jonah go on with this sinful attitude and this rebelliousness in his life. It's that pursuing love of Psalm 23 uh, that we see here with Jonah. And praise God for it. And as we experience that in our own life, praise the Lord for his pursuing love of his children and that he does not leave us to ourselves. I mean, that's what Jonah wanted, right, from the outset. Leave me alone. I want to be, I just want to, just leave me alone. I'm going to flee. I'm going to go to the, the opposite direction, the end of the world. Just leave me alone. Let me be on my own. And God says, no, no. So this is a, it's a book about God dealing with his prophet, a faithful, merciful, gracious God dealing with the sinful attitude of his prophet. Now, the Lord asked Jonah a couple of times in here, is it okay? Do you have good reason to be angry? Do you have good reason, Jonah, to be angry? Something for us to think about this evening. Does he have good reason to be angry about this? And he doesn't. First, we see in verses 1 through 4 is that he doesn't have good reason to be angry about God's mercy, his grace shown to the Ninevites, because this is who God is. And the thing, Jonah, he, he, he gives us insight now into why he went the other direction, why he ran from God. Look what, again what he says there. Picking up in the middle of verse 2, Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. To forestall this, I, I, I wanted he, he was doing what he could to prevent this from happening. This isn't what they need, God. This isn't what they, they don't need grace and mercy. They need justice right now, judgment. He's a gracious, compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant loving kindness, one who relents concerning calamity. He doesn't have a right to be angry with God here. And, and it, he's, he's angry. He's burning in anger. Whereas previous in chapter 3, God's anger is being turned away from the people of Nineveh. Jonah's anger is being stirred up here.
Speaking of God's grace and mercy, Jeremiah 18, 7 8 says, At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up, to pull down, to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. I mean, that God is a God who desires to forgive, desires to show grace, desires to show mercy. Remember, uh, this is what God showed to Moses. Um, when, when God revealed himself to Moses there in Exodus, in Exodus, I believe it's chapter 34, he revealed to him that he is, he's a gracious God. He revealed the goodness. Remember, the goodness of the Lord passed before Moses there. And, and, and what he saw was that God, he, he's a God of grace, a God of goodness, a God ready to for, forgive and to show mercy. So Jonah just says, listen, if things can't be done my way, then I'm just not going to play this game. Basically, he says, listen, I, I, just, want to, I just want to die. It's better for me uh, for, to have death than for me to have, have life. He's like a little child who says, if we're not going to play my way, then I'm just not going to play at all. And so you see, kids, oftentimes we adults act like your parents maybe say you act like. And I find myself, I don't know for you parents, and this might be confession time here, uh, uh, but just in how God reproves me when I'm reproving my kids, saying this is exactly how you're acting towards me. I'm talking to my kids about attitude. Just accept and trust me with what I tell you to do. You don't have to know all the whys, right? Parents ever tell your kids that? You don't have to know all the whys. It's just enough that mom and dad say it. And at, and at the, that very time, I'm thinking, that's what God's saying to me, and I have a problem with it. And so, one, I need to have mercy and grace on my children. And then I also need to repent and, and of what God's uh, shown me at that time and trusting him. Yeah. But here we find, I mean, Jonah is, is very transparent here, isn't he? I mean, it's amazing to read this from a prophet of God, that, that this is why he didn't go to Nineveh? I mean, to think about a preacher standing up and saying something like this, what would we think? I mean, he's very transparent. But I think in our life, maybe it's not this way as it is for Jonah here and his transparency and his struggles here. That maybe it's a, it can be more subtle in our own life, in our responses to God's grace and mercy. And so how then we're, we act towards other people. And, and I could think of some, some situations where this uh, could be the case. Um, I think of brothers and sisters in hostile lands. I, I think of many of you we familiar with Voice of the Martyrs, and they write in there about these widows. And, and these widows who have had their husbands uh, murdered, killed, still live in that same region with these individuals who, who, who killed their husband, desire their death, and then to love them and desire God's mercy and grace upon their life. Think of Germany, right? Corrie ten Boone and, and her struggle uh, with that, that God brought before her to forgive that guard. 
uh, that came that came to her at that that time. But I think in even smaller ways for us that this could be demonstrated to where we desire not God's grace and mercy on another person, but God's justice and judgment. And so maybe we withhold things from that person. And it could be those closest to us. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be our brothers and sisters uh, in our church fellowship. Or it could, it could just merely be strangers that have upset us. And so we're going to withhold things from them, desiring not that they receive grace and mercy, but that they would see the error of their way and acknowledge we're right and they're wrong and then come to terms with our terms and matters. So does Jonah have a right to be angry with God? No, this is who God is, and this is, Jonah acknowledges, this is what he realized, he recognized God is a gracious God. That's why he didn't want to go in the first place, because he was a fearful of this very thing, that God would have grace and compassion upon the Ninevites. But also we see here that Jonah does not have a right to be angry, and, and the matter of being angry with God is, an, is something else <laughs> as well, um, another matter to be, to be dealt with. But just look at what God shows Jonah here. It, God's a God of grace, but also in verses 5 through 9, Jonah has been a recipient of the same grace that he showed the Ninevites. And not only back in chapter 2, God's grace there when he rescued Jonah from drowning by the great fish. Well, here he rescues Jonah. Jonah goes up in, in verse 5. He went out from the city, sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city, hoping maybe they would be destroyed. Just sitting there waiting. And what does God do with Jonah? Look at God's grace in Jonah's life, God's mercy. How patient he has been with Jonah. Verse 6, so the Lord God appointed a plant. You would think, okay, so God now judges Jonah. <laughs> so then, no, God appoints a plant. And it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But then God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better for me than life. So God's grace here, appointing this plant to grow up, to, to give shade to Jonah, to give him some relief from the heat. And, and God dealing with Jonah's heart, he, he sent this plant. He also sends the worm to eat it. So God here is, is putting the heat, so to speak, upon Jonah to, to, to really bring out what is in his heart, to really show him, and, and not just to bring out what's in his heart, but to show him his grace, God's grace in his own life. 
Jonah, what did you do to earn and deserve this plant that God caused to, to spring up and give you shade? Nothing. And this worm destroys it. And not only that, God sends the, this wind, this scorching east wind. And Jonah responds again, death is better for me than life. How could Jonah miss it? This was God's grace in his life, just as the salvation of the Ninevites. Jonah rejoiced over the, pl- over the plant. His actions betrayed his inconsistency. He is not able to rejoice over the salvation and mercy shown to the Ninevites, but he can rejoice over mercy shown to him over such a small issue as shade from a plant. This brings us to the last section here. Verses 9 through 11. So we see in in verses 1 through 4, God is a God of grace. In verses 5 through 9, that Jonah, he had been a recipient of the same grace that was shown to the Ninevites. How could he not then show compassion upon them? And then also here in verses 9 through 11, Jonah has... Uh, no right to be angry because God is much invested in his creation. So once again, God asked Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry, Jonah, about the plant? He said, I do have good reason to be angry even to death. In verse 10, then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Once again, God's grace in his life, God's mercy in his life, then should God not have compassion on Nineveh, the city of the great city where there's more than 120,000 persons there who don't know the difference between their right hand and their left hand. They, they do not know the, the God, the true God of the Bible, the God of Israel. And it's interesting how it concludes here. He says, as well as many animals. As well as many animals. Just read to you what one individual said about this reference. The reference to the animals makes a simple point. God would have every right to spare Nineveh if only because of the dumb animals in it. The animals are of greater worth than the gourd. And so we see here that God's heartbeat is not Jonah's heartbeat. Jonah has greater compassion over this gourd than the animals are of more value than that in Nineveh. God is much invested in his creation. These are souls, eternal souls. And here Jonah can show compassion over a plant, but not over these eternal souls, these souls of Nineveh. So, as God asked Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? Of course, no, he doesn't have a right to be angry. He doesn't have a right to be angry with God's dealings. 
with God's sovereign right to do as he pleased, to show mercy and grace to those whom he pleases. He, he doesn't have a right, but God here shows, why doesn't he? Because this is who God is. This is the nature of God. Because Jonah has received the same grace and mercy in his own life. He can't, he's not seeing that, that the same grace and mercy he has been shown has been shown to the Ninevites. Just as he was unworthy and undeserving of it, so are the Ninevites. And then also God is much invested in his creation. Just a few other uh, few thoughts here in, in conclusion. One is that we are God's means of showing grace to others as Jonah was the means of God's grace to the Ninevites. So we need to remember the grace and mercy that God has shown us, the grace and mercy that God has shown us in salvation, and the grace and mercy that God shows us in daily life, the gourds, (laughs) the gourds in our life. Those little things, I mean, it's amazing, right? We're talking about a gourd. How, How significant and big is a gourd? Well, if you're in Nineveh, I guess it's a pretty big deal, right? It's, it's the difference of a good day and a bad day. But that, it's the, that's the grace of God. Remember the grace and mercy that God has shown us. And this is what we are told in the New Testament, right? We are told to love as God has loved us. We are to be gracious and merciful as God has been gracious and merciful to us. We're to forgive as we have been forgiven. Another thought here, we have compassion on inanimate things in our life. The gourds in our life, houses, cars, clothes, etc. It could be many things. Should God not have compassion on the Ninevites in our life? And, and just thinking about the, these individuals or, or a person. This could be someone we're very close to. It could be a, a, a stranger. But these individuals where in our heart we'd, we want to see, we'd rather see justice than grace and mercy. Or maybe you've heard read stories or maybe in your own life where you think, you know what, I just can't forgive them because I'm afraid if I forgive them, what is God going to do in their life? And then I'll have to accept them. Or or what's that going to mean then? They'll just be able to go off like they never did anything wrong. I can't let that happen. Well, God help us if we're holding back from people because we're afraid God will be gracious to them. And not to hold back, to remember, to, to realize, to ever be before us the rich grace and mercy that God has shown in our life. And that would just overflow from us in all of our relationships in all of our relationships that that would flow out. And I've alluded to this already, but how amazing the detail of God dealing with Jonah. I mean, through the whole book, but then as it concludes, these small things, a gourd, a worm, he sends a wind, that's pretty big. But all directed here at little Jonah. 
Little Jonah, on the face of the earth, here, God's dealing with him. God deals with each one of his children. And that's just the love of a heavenly father, disciplining, chastising his child, and praise the Lord for that. But may we respond in humility and repentance. And that's something in in Jonah we're left with at the end. Is this really the end of the story? Is this really the end of the book of Jonah? This is how it's going to end. This great story of, of God's deliverance of Jonah by the great fish, repentance of the wicked city of Nineveh, and this is how it, it ends about Jonah? Oh, for God's grace... That when we see God, work, we we see God's working. That we're attuned to God's working daily in in all the avenues of our life. That we respond with praise, and we respond with humility and repentance when God is is disciplining us and chastising us. So sadly, the book ends with Jonah still having a bad attitude, not accepting God's plan. What happens? What happens with Jonah? That's something we'll find out in eternity, I guess, right? But what, it, what about the book of our life? How will our book end? How would our book, if, if it ended right now, how would our book end? Praise God that we have another breath right now to take. That it's not over as of right now. How will our book end? Well, just some thoughts from the book of Jonah. God's grace, God's mercy, his faithfulness to deal with his disobedient prophet, the the sinful attitude of his prophet Jonah. It says here that when Jonah heard of the repentance of the Ninevites says it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry and it reminded me of the the attitude of the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son when he hears the sound of rejoicing coming from the house after his brother had come home it says that he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be the music the dancing And the servant said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And so the father comes out and pleads with him. And then it ends with this this phrase in the last part of the parable, the last verse of the parable. The father says, We had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. We had to celebrate and rejoice. In other words, the only proper response when somebody repents, the only proper response is rejoicing, is gratitude, is thankfulness, is praise to God. And that's how Jonah should have responded (laughs) when the Ninevites repented. Uh, But he couldn't. We had to celebrate and rejoice.